Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. But this morning, we're going to be talking about passing the offering plates. Poor Jerusalem Christians, graced Corinthian Christians, in this God who wants to level the playing field so that everyone has enough. Well, it turns out that taking up a collection in worship is actually as old as the church itself. I've always enjoyed hearing these stories of some of the great revival preachers who would take up a collection and then would count up the money right in front of everyone, and then when they were disappointed by the numbers, they would pass the plates for a second time. Don't worry, that will never be done here. (laughs) The work that the resurrected Christ called Paul to was really unique. Scripture calls him the apostle to the Gentiles or non-Jews, and we see Paul traveling all over the Roman Empire, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. A huge part of Paul's message of embodied reconciliation was fundraising. And my guess is that fundraising was probably not what most of you might have expected, I would say right there. Today, we're going to listen to Paul appeal to the Corinthian church to participate in a collection that was to be used to alleviate the suffering of poverty-stricken Christians living in Jerusalem. Now, if anyone has an answer to the question I'm about to ask, and you want to put your answer in the chat bar, this would be kind of interesting because I'd be curious to know what people think before hearing the scripture read. Why should new Gentile converts in Corinth participate in alleviating the suffering of Jewish Christians in Jerusalem almost a thousand miles away? People that they didn't even know and people who were very different from themselves. Why in the world would they ever do this? This is a a really interesting question. It should get us thinking a little bit. Now, I'm going to start here with the words of Jesus from John's Gospel, chapter 13. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And the kind of love Jesus is talking about is this tangible, embodied love. And so Paul wants the Corinthians to practice a tangible, embodied love that cares especially for the most vulnerable. A love that reconciles a world that was very divided along racial ethnic lines. For all, Paul would say, are one in the body of Christ. Now, I was thinking even the singer-songwriter John Mayer, for those of us who are fans of John Mayer, he has a song. Even John Mayer gets it, and he's not exactly known as the kind of paragon of Christian embodied love, at least as far as I can tell. 
But look at his song lyrics that he wrote in a song that probably many of us know. Love is a verb. It ain't a thing. It's not something you own or something you scream. When you show me love, I don't need your words. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Well, Paul's way of showing love to the vulnerable and suffering Jerusalem Christians was to encourage the new Gentile churches that he was planting to practice generosity and caring for each other by raising money. Generosity is, of course, one of Lightshine's core values. And the reason for this is simple. It is one of the hallmarks of a life of a disciple of Jesus. So let's listen in to Paul's appeal for generosity. And may his encouragement to the Corinthians be his encouragement to us to love in a generous way, a way that brings equity and justice for the most vulnerable among us. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, would you meet us here by your word and by your spirit, that we might grow in love, embodying a gospel that shares with others the abundance of your grace. Amen. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this not merely as we expected. They gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It's appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it in accordance with your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you. But it is a question of fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there 
may be a fair balance as it is written the one who had much did not have too much and the one who had little did not have too little friends this is the word of the lord thanks be to god now often when a pastor starts talking about money in the life of the church, there are two things that happen. There's probably more than two things. People like Steve and Scott get really excited, but most people start squirming in their seats. Here we go again, the pastor's gonna hit us up for money. We expect to be guilted and shamed into giving more like the revival preacher who passed the plates a second time, disappointed with the offering the first time. But that's not what our text today is all about, so please know that your wallets are safe at least for the next 12 minutes. Paul was deeply troubled by the terrible disparity between the wealthy and the poor, those who had more than what they needed and those who were struggling to put food on the table and there was most likely this really serious famine that was happening in Jerusalem many were suffering to the point of possible starvation and so Paul fully expects disciples of Jesus to work for a more equitable and just world he wants to raise up this brand new church you heard that just started a year ago he wants this new church to care for its own community and well beyond. Why? Because when one person suffers, we all suffer. And Paul, you notice, lifts up this church in Macedonia as his example of generosity. A church, by the way, that was said to be both overflowing with joy and yet also extremely poor. This seemingly, you know, is a paradox, right? It's resolved by Paul with one word. He uses the word grace. The Macedonians, even in their poverty, they recognized that they still had so much to be grateful for. And so they gave in abundance toward Paul's collection for the poor in Jerusalem. It was in their giving that Paul says they experienced real joy. They're joyful because they're participating in something bigger than themselves, that God was using their generosity to transform other people's lives. And so Paul hoped that when he arrived in Corinth, that the collection for the Jerusalem poor would be raised and he was determined to press into this goal, to make this a reality. This collection meant so much to Paul that he risked hostility and imprisonment in order to collect it. That's how much this collection meant to his work. Now, the thing I found most fascinating about this uh, text is that the word for money wasn't ever used. Instead, Paul used the word for grace. These recklessly generous Macedonians that Paul lifts up have been experiencing serious persecution. It's actually thought in Macedonia that people were losing their jobs for their faith, losing their income streams, and yet somehow these people still found a way to contribute to the needs 
of the Jerusalem saints whom they'd never met, giving well beyond their means. What an inspiration these ancient Macedonian Christians are. They got me thinking, how have we been graced? What good gifts are we grateful for? Because it's out of gratitude that we're invited to consider how grace given to us by God might overflow from us to the benefit of others. This incarnational theology, this embodying of our faith is never theoretical. This is what God did in taking on flesh in Jesus. Though rich, becoming poor for our sake, that we might become rich. And so why should these new Corinthian Christians participate by giving their hard-earned cash to these Jewish Christians a thousand miles away? Paul answers this with a Greek word translated in the text as I read it, fair balance. This was some of what we were talking about in our Thursday night's anti-racism training for those of us that were there. The scriptures want us to recognize that everything is a gift from God. All our blessings, all good gifts loaned to us from the creator for a short time. And so this is fascinating too that Paul says he's not commanding generosity. He says that he's appealing to the genuineness of their love. If they truly love one another, he knows that they will be generous beyond their means because that's what love does. Love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. So what gifts do we have? What gifts of God's grace do we have? that can be used to create a more equitable and just, a more fair, balanced world. The gospel, of course, not only addresses issues of sin and salvation. That was what we just did in our moment of confession that Chad led us through. But it also gets earthy and practical. The gospel meets real human needs. And so our answer to this question, it's really important because it's not because we're so awesome or that we have all the answers. Paul's not saying that we're to be saviors. The world already has the savior. Jesus is already here and present. But Paul says something that we really need to reflect on. He says that someday, someday in the future, the other person's overflow and generosity may be the exact thing at that moment that we need. Shay said she was going to get vibey. <laughs> this is Paul getting vibey. This is exactly what Shay was talking about. Someday in the future, we're going to be the person that needs to depend on the generosity of someone else. Friends, this is what our Christian fellowship is all about. Now, I want to finish by bringing this first century unjust and inequitable world a little closer to home for us. 
I was thinking about this text and I decided to reach out to my friend who many of us know, the executive director of Harbor House, Denise Cortez. I reached out to her this week. She got back to me and even while on vacation with her family, she shared with me a story of a young woman in her 20s and her beautiful six-year-old daughter from right here in our own community. She described her as a lovely girl who had a really rough childhood, the victim of sexual abuse by a family member and parents that were unable to offer any further assistance. Now, this young woman had always had a job. She'd always worked. But due to COVID, like many people, she lost her job. They reached the end of their resources and now have been tragically experiencing the horrors of being homeless as together the two of them live out of her car. Now just imagine for a moment what this must be like. It's hard enough to be a mom, but a single mom experiencing homelessness with a young daughter living in a car is heartbreaking. She reached out to Denise and Harbor House for help, but someone had been saying some awful things about this young woman. And so Harbor House decided that they would need to turn her down. But the young woman persisted. She asked for a face-to-face -face meeting with Denise so that Denise could see for herself these things that were being said about her were not true. Denise decided to meet with her. She shared her story with Denise, asking for help, saying that she had nowhere else to turn. Since this meeting, Harbor House has helped her to secure a job which she has been working every single day to earn as much as she can to take care of herself and her daughter. Harbor House has also put them up temporarily in a hotel to get them off the streets until she can save up enough money to get into a more stable housing situation. The young mother told Denise that she would never regret having helped her. I was moved by what Denise said at the conclusion of this story. She said, this mom and child are so deserving of our help. Everyone deserves to tell their story. And she said, everyone deserves a second chance. Thank God for people like Denise and for organizations like Harbor House that do this kind of priceless kingdom work. But let's think about this for a moment. We know that Harbor House cannot do this kind of work without the generosity of others, without the genuineness of other people's love. The needs of the struggling right here in our own community are growing rapidly in this COVID time. Not everyone, not everyone got the same start in life. All of our systems do not work the same for all people. And so our 21st century uh, culture world here resembles Paul's first century world in that when it, it we notice in both this lack of fair balance, this lack of equity. 
And so we become grace for our community and for our world when our lives overflow God's grace and God's blessings, the grace and blessings that we have been given, these things when they overflow to others, right? Then our world might more closely resemble the coming kingdom of God, a kingdom where this young woman and her beautiful six-year-old daughter will never have to sleep on the streets again.